uh, so welcome everyone to another episode of Deep Gospel and maybe even a special subsect, the Deep Gospel Lent edition. Um, I'm Haley Eccles. I am the Associate Director at Campus to City Wesley and your host through these gospel passages. Um, and I'm really excited about our conversation partners today, mostly because whenever I get in a conversation with Derek, I just really love to like really challenge those things he says in a way. <laughs> so I know I'm we're ready. I'm ready. Come on. <laughs> mm-hmm. yep, yep. Um, so, uh, but we'll start with introductions. Um, so Derek, would you mind introducing yourself? Super cool. Derek Scott III. Um, my first job uh, I got was I was nine years old and I worked at a dinner theater here in Jacksonville, Florida. Uh, years later, I became the executive director of Camp the City Wesley Foundation. That's a straight line story right there, like from one to the other. And I'm super excited to be a part of this episode. Thanks, Derek. Um, we also have one of our Studio Wesley contributors, Riley Standifer, with us. Riley, would you introduce yourself? Hello, everyone. My name is Riley. I'm a student at UCF, and I'm very excited to be here. And if you follow Riley on um, Instagram, you will see some amazing creations and just artistic talent that I know is God-given and really enjoy that, so. Um, and then we also have uh, Michael LeBlanc on with us. So Michael, will you introduce yourself? Yeah, so my name is Michael LeBlanc. I'm the Director of Student Ministries at First United Methodist Church of uh, Winter Park here in the greater Orlando area. Um, and then also I was recently approved by the BOOM to be a commissioned as a provisional elder in the United Methodist Church in the Florida Conference. So I'm very excited about that. And I'll be taking an appointment this summer. So. Ah. <laughs> it's always fun in this in-between time, isn't it? Um, Michael, so I often get um, people throwing out that I um, am the quote-unquote queen of TikTok, but I'll just say that I reached out to Michael before I started making TikToks because he was doing it for uh, Elevate. And so just, you know, just saying there's yes. someone who proceeded. I'm, I'm impressed with your, uh, your ability to use TikTok and your willpower to use it. Um, I had to give it up because I found that it was like when in college, uh, when I smoked, I would open up TikTok all the time uh, for no reason at all. And then all of a sudden, oh my goodness, an hour has passed. Uh, and so I have uh, since deleted TikTok um because i know my limitations but haley you you are definitely the queen of tiktok the worst is when you have one of those apps where you close it intentionally i am going to move on with my day and then the muscle memory reopens mm -hmm. it right after mm -hmm. you close mm -hmm. it and you're like i mm -hmm. have a problem <laughs> yeah once i did that five times in a row i was like all right we're deleting it i can't i i, I can't i'm but a mortal <laughs> well, thank you all for being on this conversation. We have got quite a text to wrestle with this morning. And so first, I'm going to ask Riley to center us in prayer. Absolutely. Um, would you join me in prayer? Um, good morning, God. Thank you so much for this new day that uh, we get to share in together. 
um, bring us into a space where your word becomes real. And we are excited to dive into this text. And we know that it is going to be um, inspired by you. So thank you for gathering us and uh, see us through. In your name we pray, amen. Amen, thank you. <clears throat> Derek, will you read our scripture for us? Happy to do it. So I'm reading the Gospel of Mark, chapter 8, starting at verse 31 from the Common English Bible. Then Jesus began to teach his disciples, the human one must suffer many things and be rejected by the elders, chief priests, and the legal experts, and be killed, and then after three days rise from the dead. He said this plainly, but Peter took hold of Jesus and scolding him began to correct him. Jesus turned and looked at his disciples and then sternly corrected Peter. Get behind me, Satan. You are not thinking God's thoughts, but human thoughts. After calling the crowd together with his disciples, Jesus said to them, all who want to come after me must say no to themselves, take up their cross and follow me. All who want to save their lives will lose them, but all who lose their lives because of me and because of the good news will save them. Why would people gain the whole world but lose their lives? What will people give in exchange for their lives? Whoever is ashamed of me and my words in this unfaithful and sinful generation, the human one will be ashamed of that person when he comes in the Father's glory with the holy angels. This is the word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. Yeah, thanks be to God. Um, <clears throat> so we tend to start our conversations with the things we liked. And I think that um, one, it welcomes us into the text, but I think it's also important to, I have a core value of like increasing biblical literacy and really enjoying reading scripture. And I love starting here because I think the Bible is something that's entertaining. It's enjoyable to read. There's lots of great pieces to it. And so my like um, is a little bit silly and outside of the text, but still, I think it's worth saying. Um, the thing I like is Jesus put down here of get behind me Satan and it's literally like this this joke that I'll make in real life um but more of like a you know you know how white people like when we're eating too many chips we're like oh get those away from me it'll be like get behind me Satan lays I'm not gonna have any more of those I, anyway I just think that it's a really funny um phrasing here um, I can't imagine Peter enjoyed hearing it, but I, I just think it's hilarious. Um, and a reminder that just Jesus seems like a very, uh, interesting person to spend a lot of time with. So, uh, Michael, what did you like? Um, so, um, what I really like is that Peter, I, I love seeing the disciples interact with Jesus because I feel like growing up, I always wanted to see myself acting like Jesus in real life. And like, you know, oh, if I was, you know, since I'm like Jesus and I would have done the same thing, but in reality, I'm just a disciple um, and I'm just so dumb all the time. And so what I really like is like, I just envisioned that like Peter like hikes up his pants and he's like, come here, Jesus. 
we got to talk. And then he like rebukes him. And it's just like, it's so cute. It's like when uh, I have a four and a half year old, when she rebukes me because I didn't do something right. It's like, oh, okay. So we're going to talk about how you're going to talk to me. And that's what Jesus does. Um, you know, and I just, I love any time that, that the disciples are just as dumb as I am. Um, and Peter was being a silly goose here. And I love uh, seeing that example reflected. Seeing my own image reflected in scripture is a great big blessing. Um, I love that, Michael. And I can just picture that image so clearly of the way that kids, when you're playing games, are giving you all of the lowdown of mm -hmm. what's happening. And I don't know, I, I don't often get to hear the interpretation of Peter was being a silly goose. So that was quite enjoyable. <laughs> it's, it's in a lot of commentaries. You just got to look for it. Yeah. In the original Greek, it's uh, a silly goose. Riley, uh, what did you like? Um, one, the, all of those things you just said, so funny. But I think I really liked um, Jesus. It, like, maybe it's the disciple part of me, the silly goose part of me, but he just starts talking about this most amazing story that's really awful about he's going to be hated by everyone and then he's going to get killed and then he's going to rise from the dead and I think if I was just there like I don't know I can imagine he's on a mountaintop or something and I'm just sitting there in the crowd like what in the world is this guy going on about uh I really love that part of it because of how how Jesus it is how I don't know he's he's very much a this is how it is and plain spoken, which I love. Yeah, that plain spoken word really hit me when Derek wrote it, it read it in the common English, because my version said openly. Um, but it is interesting when people are just willing to go there in places and, and somewhat admirable sometimes. So, Derek, what did you like? Well, I think Michael might have a, a point. Yeah, so I, Riley, I love what you said about that, like, um, the way that Jesus spoke in this is like, what I love about the Gospel of Mark, and I know that you guys have been in Mark for a little bit, is that it just seems like the Jesus that we see in Mark, because, you know, four, the four Gospels have four different Jesuses, maybe five or six, but in Mark, it's like, I feel like this is real carpenter Jesus, like, super duper, like, why are you talking nonsense, man? Like, I got to get going. Like, in, in Mark, he's immediately, he's constantly moving. It's like, you know, we, we started the contract. Like, I feel like Jesus has a Boston accent in Mark. And I just, I love um, that uh, you can see that so clearly in this passage. So that's it's a really good point that you made, Riley. Super cool. So actually, I have two, and I'll, they'll, they'll be quick. And they're like, very much what everybody's already said. So um, I'm just trying to give something for Haley to like push back on, quite honestly, that's all. Because um, it, it makes it makes me happy when Haley can push back on me. Um, the one, I, 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 I'm, I, I'm with you all on sort of this moment with Jesus and Peter. And I, I really appreciate, you know, if I understand dynamics of like leadership um, and those who are following, it, in order for, Peter to clap back at Jesus and to not feel like the idea of him clapping back at Jesus is, is just completely wrong. 
there had to be this whole understanding of Jesus is the kind of leader that can take Peter's honesty. Because I got leaders that I think almost everything they say is the worst thing I've ever heard. And I don't feel like I could be like, hey, love you, but that's the worst thing I've ever heard in the last hour. <laughs> like, I don't think I can do Because if I do that, like, I mean, yeah, they're going to give me a get behind me, Satan, but it's going to be more like a, you are now behind me and even further down on the totem pole and you will never be heard of again in this, in this narrative um, because you've come against me. And so the kind of leadership that Jesus has to posture for his disciples has to be so open that he can take, he can welcome these moments and they feel free. Peter feels free to be like, let me, let me put my finger in your face and let me tell you, right? So that thing I love because I think that as a leader, you know, I, I, I do want my staff and, and our students to feel like they can come at me. And sometimes I even tell them like, come at me. Um, because I think, that's an I think that's important. I think Jesus models it. And it doesn't mean that Jesus just takes it, but yes, Peter, come at me. Come at me, I'm, go I'm gonna come back, but come at me. And I love that. The other thing that I love, and it's related to the whole Mark situation here. Um, I love how Mark is sort of like juxtaposing the Jesus who does all this incredible stuff, healing and dealing with demons and all that. And then the human one. And 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 in other older translations, son of man. But it, it, Mark is the one who talks about Jesus as the son of man the most from my study. And I'm just like, so can we do that? Is like, a, is this a signal to what we should be doing, or is that a this a signal that all of this supernatural stuff is really a human thing, not just like a God thing? Like, what? Is, what? I love that. I I am here for. It. I don't even need Mark to answer me. I need Mark to leave it just like that. This human one is doing all this crazy supernatural stuff. And let's just, let's just leave it there. And let's just be like, what's going on? I don't understand. Beautiful. So that, that's a gospel I am here for. So those are the two things. I'm done. Uh, Derek, the first thing that you, you talk about how, how um, Jesus is kind of leader that can, that can take it. There's like this, theory that's really popular amongst youth pastors of course that like the disciples were kind of like a youth group because like the the some of the social indicators of like when Jesus picks up the disciples it would make sense for them to be like you know mid-teens like 15 20 um so like just a bunch of like goofballs walking around and like I I'm I'm sure you feel the same way even though you work with you know young adults but like nothing better than getting roasted by a sixth grader on theological like concepts. Like I remember one time I was doing confirmation and like uh, someone asked like, you know, theodicy, why do bad things happen to good people? And like, I gave my answer, my good Wesleyan Methodist answer. You know, I, I, I was already done with seminary. Like, you know, I'm, I'm good. And a sixth grader girl like raises her hand. I'm like, yes, ma'am. And she goes, that doesn't make any sense. I don't think that's a good answer. And then that was it. Like she, that was what she needed to say to me. And then I was like, well, um, uh, well, uh, and I had to come back with something better. And so I love seeing that image of Jesus, you know, being a youth pastor and getting roasted by his, by his youth group. 
And I will say that I like what you just said, Michael, outside of the context you put the disciples. I would say that it's more like Jesus's campus ministry. I just think that that's a more appropriate, more sure. in line sure. with the text, sure. uh, more in sure. line with the sure. Sure. social, economic, con you know, context of the moment. And, sure. and sure. it's okay. Like we all want to see ourselves in the text. So it makes <laughs> sense that you would see YouTube, but I think the historical accuracy would right, be right, 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 right. more like campus ministry. So. Right, 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 right. There's a lot that I really appreciate. One is that um, there's a sense of the type of discipleship Jesus is doing. If Jesus is um, conditioning disciples to be proud to be wrong and to just like have an opinion on something, sometimes it feels very difficult um, amongst people of faith to just get them to say firmly whether they like or don't like something within the text that it's almost like we assume since it's scripture, we have to love everything about it and, you know, come up with this beautiful thing and we can't like wrestle with it. Um, and then I also really appreciate the second thing you said, except it feels like so much of a, a, of a challenge too of wrestling with, okay, if Jesus' humanity is so important to Mark, in a sense that Jesus is doing all of these things, certainly as God, but as a human too, then there is a lot more demanded out of us, and in this text specifically, than I think we always give ourselves credit for. And while I have often said, I'm really glad I don't have to be Jesus, um, apparently, according to Mark, I'm a lot more like Jesus than sometimes I really want to be. And that distancing, uh, it's, it's not as far off as I always think. Um, but those, like, wrestling those challenges I feel like that's where we don't just meet the text but we allow it to meet us as well uh don't just read it but allow it to read us as well so Michael where did you start to see uh your challenge yeah so um for me and it's it's kind of Riley what Riley liked um it's it's hard for me to see Jesus when he's being kind of mean um, I'm a two on the Enneagram and so like that just means like my soul is made of cotton candy and so when I see someone being like gruff or direct or salty like it like it's it is, it's a discordant note for me um, now that being said I understand that that's a fault within me um, because life is both uh, joy and sorrow and like happiness and sadness and 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 uh, friendship and anger. Like I know that it all goes in uh, the box, um, but still I, I I like my my Jesus to be sweet and gentle all the time. So that's that was the part that challenged me and and who I am. That's such a big challenge because I mean if we're being honest, all of us kind of like parts of Jesus and kind of hate probably a lot more sides of Jesus than we're willing to say. Right, right. Because in this, Jesus is just being, is just being honest. Like he, he's saying, get behind me, Satan, you know, Hasatani, the accuser. You're not thinking of the things of God. You're thinking human thoughts. Like to me, this is just Jesus voicing. He's like, bro, like, don't you know that I know this? Like, I don't want to die. I would really like to just 
settle down in Nazareth, you know, get a nice house in the suburbs and like just chill. But instead, my whole life's calling is to uh, be uh, hated by everyone and then die a violent death and then not stay dead and like get behind me. Like I'm trying my best to keep going. And um, I think probably why it challenges me is I have a hard time telling people uh, boundaries. Uh, I've been working on it. Uh, but it's hard to say to people like, hey, this isn't what you're giving me is not the journey that I'm on right now. And so I need I need distance from you. You know, I, I need space. Um, but but it's so good to see that our Lord had to have the same conversation and like kind of break up with a friend uh, very publicly. I might add this is embarrassing for Peter, um, but it, it is good to see that that we have that example. Mm-hmm. I know there's so much more we could say about this interaction. I wonder, uh, Riley, what your challenge is. It might not be from this section, but I think it'll help us add some layers to what's happening. I definitely, while I was reading this, was totally like thinking, okay, what gave Peter the gusto? The Who gave him the balls to go up to Jesus and go, hey, I don't like what you did. Because, you know, I, I think if I was Peter in this story, I would hear Jesus saying all this. And in my head, I go, oh, gosh, like, geez, why is he saying all this? And then we'd be on our way, like going along to the next city, um, because I would never do something like that, uh, even in my own life, um, to, uh, like, express my dissent. I'll just feel it, let it fester, and then do nothing. So I think a challenge for me was to just say, when do I start speaking? When do I start saying these things? Because I know also if I was Peter in this story, uh, Peter said something and then like got smacked down. So uh, I think uh, taking some inspiration from Peter that he didn't die, nothing bad happened. He's still Jesus's disciple. Uh, Yeah, good get some balls like Peter. And then uh, (laughs) that's the challenge for me. (laughs) You know, it's interesting. This challenge has made me wonder something I I don't think I've wondered before, which is I've always read this in the context that Peter's challenge is coming from a place of wanting to protect Jesus, Mm -hmm. which I think is something that we can sometimes do in the text that we just want to somehow like protect Jesus. We were talking about this when Jesus goes in the wilderness and is tempted by Satan and just not liking, like, why did this happen? Why can't we, you know, wrap him in bubble wrap and make sure that, you know, no one ever like harms this perfect thing in our world. Um, But I also wonder, like in this challenge, what is, what are Peter's fears in hearing this? Like, how does following someone who is going to get killed, is he worried that's going to make him look like an idiot for like wasting his time? Um, Is he hearing all of this and going, okay, and then, and then me next, like, and my own self-preservation? Because I think those different, um, motivations for him speaking would evoke different responses from Jesus. And I wonder if Jesus worry about him thinking about things is of earth is a more like 
why me? Am I looking foolish? Am I going to end up suffering versus a, I love you so much that I don't want you to die kind of motivation. Um, I don't have anything else to go on but that, but I haven't really thought about that as much. Um, Derek, do you want to add to? Yeah. So I'm, 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 I've been trying to like get my challenge down to like a something bite-sized because actually I have a huge challenge with the second part of this week's text and it's all in the um, if you want to save your life you got to lose it um, you try to hold on to your life you're going to lose you know all of that um, and, and part of it is I, I am at a stage of life now that losing my life for the sake of the gospel means taking better care of myself which is like how does that work? <laughs> um, you know, in my twenties, losing my life was like, and I and I don't think I had the right interpretation of this. Uh, losing my life was well, forget college. Like, if college can't come along with what God wants to do with me, then college is not coming, and I just won't get the degree. Which is, I look back down, I'm like, oh man, like that that that's not really what what Jesus was trying to say to me through that text. Um, that was me wanting to listen to the text in a way that allowed me to be lazy and not actually be faithful with what has been placed in my hands. And so it's like this, this text gets used in a lot of in a lot of ways to sort of invite people to you know, the conversation around self-denial, conversation around living outside of yourself, the conversation around even possibly, I mean, y'all didn't hear me, but I was like really, really like dragging Riley to consider like ordination um, and honestly doing to Riley what often was done to me when I was Riley's age um, and hey I'm not ordained and I'm very I feel very good with that and I feel like that was my God. but it's this whole idea that like losing my life for the sake of the gospel looks reckless and looks you know it, it looks contrarian it looks go, like going against the grain when maybe, and, and so, and this is where it's just really hard for me to like get my challenge down to something that's just bite-sized. I just wonder what this, the challenge for me is to always locate words like this first in the context by which Jesus is saying them, but then second in the context of someone's personal relationship with Jesus. And again, for me, my personal relationship with Jesus is saying, Derek, if you really want to preserve your life for the sake of the gospel, like if you don't want to lose your life, don't want to lose your soul while you're trying to gain all this other stuff, I need you to go to bed before 11, which I'm like, no, that's that, like for me to go to bed before 11 is self-denial. And I know for some people like, are you serious? Like, yes, it is so much self-denial for me to go to bed before 11, um, which just doesn't, fit the frame that this text has been sort of nudged into. And so I'm challenged to change the frame and not try to change the text. And that this, like, and that's where even the plainly piece, like I, my only question for Mark in this section is like, you say it's plain, but clearly it wasn't. I mean, clearly people didn't get it. So there's something about 
the individual context that we must talk about with verses like this, um, particularly when we start talking about self-denial, talking about losing ourselves for the sake of the gospel, we've, I think that it requires us to do some deep, 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 deep digging um, in the original context, definitely, but also the personal context by which this is being uh, spoken into the lives of people. So that part didn't make any kind of sense because I'm still trying to figure out how to get my challenge down to something that's like tweetable. It's going to take me another year, but there you go. Well, it's so funny that you, you know, you talk about this self-care aspect and um, Michael kind of brought up the the Hasatan of it all where, you know, Satan is more of an accuser. It's not this like capital S uh, Satan, like red cost. Yeah, it's none of that. Um, and there are just these moments in our ministry partnership together where sometimes I just feel like I am like the accuser of your self-care. Like our very first meeting as a staff, um, we were trying to come up with a time to meet and you're like, I'm going to be on vacation, but I guess we can meet this time. And I'm like, no, we can't. You're going to be on vacation. We are not meeting on your vacation. <laughs> I, can I say, Haley, like the funny thing about the accuser, I wake up every morning. Actually, it's a little bit better now that I'm talking about. It. I wake up every morning with this voice that says, if only you had woken up an hour earlier. Mm. And there's a part of me that's like, you're right. If only I had woken up an hour earlier. You're right. You started to say out loud, get behind me, Satan. Yeah, like, well, and some there there is a rejection of the accuser as well as a rejection of self and mm -hmm. allowing myself to just wake up and start out with gratitude that I'm still on the planet. Gratitude that I get to live this life. Um, to do amazing things with people. Granted, I'm waking up way earlier than I ever would want to because it's not 2 p.m. And therefore it's way too early to wake up. Um, but still like, I, there is, there, it, it is, oh my gosh. I mean, it is, it is so, it is an act of self-denial for me to be kind to myself. Mm. Because somewhere down the line, I got the message that if I'm really going to live my life for Jesus, I got to I gotta go hard every day and, and make a difference. And I'm just having to learn. And it's literally like it's becoming spiritual practice. It's becoming um, a theological imperative. Like I, and I don't want to keep, keep us too much longer on it. But it, for me, it, it, it is a denying a self, it is a taking up of my cross. My cross is to arrive ready to serve. Not like I'm gonna pour myself out. No, like in a space that I actually have something to give, mm. which means I have to, I have to nurture me so that I can like, and it's a whole different take on what it means to be a follower of Jesus. So anyway, I we could do this all day and I'm gonna stop, so. Michael, did you want to add some more to this challenge? Just just a little bit, just the because Derek was talking about wanting to be able to tweet it. What I'm hearing here is is um, Jesus is pointing out that Peter is being run by the ego. Like to use some like Greek and, and psychological ideas, like, you know, hey, um, like Jesus is like, brother, I'm not my body. 
Like I'm in this body, but this ain't, this is not me. Um, there's a whole lot more going on than just, you know, me being not liked by the scribes. Like there's a lot more going on right now. Um, and, and then Derek, just, you know, thank you so much for sharing, you know, those struggles, but like, that is, that's the ego telling you that ego that protected you through childhood that, you know, you're, you know, whatever it may be, at least, you know, I think it's everyone's experience pretty much that like, you know, as long as I keep going, I'm going to be good. Or for me, like, as long as everyone likes me, I'm going to be fine. You know, like, and Jesus here is saying like, we're going to go ahead and kill your ego so that we can get to the work of the gospel. So that's, that's what I heard when you said that. First session's free, Derek. (laughs) I don't even know how to like add my challenge to this because I feel like just all of this is has built up really well. I do want to highlight one thing that I think is a challenge for a lot of people reading this. And I think it is the ending. Like the ending is just if you are ashamed of me, I'm going to be ashamed of you. And it's this reciprocity that we normally see as counter to the gospel, like uh, oftentimes grace and like, we don't get what we deserve. And somehow in this instance, like there's a line where there's reciprocity happening um, of being ashamed of the gospel. Um, I don't have any like huge insights on this, just that it, it strikes like a fear in me. And I don't know if this is like leftover from like my Baptist faith of like, um, when I was in high school, bringing my Bible to school and setting it on the corner of my desk, like, I'm not going to be ashamed that I'm a Christian. Um, and yet I feel like there are so many things that put us to shame that maybe that's that this is more about and sometimes it is those moments where we're thinking of our own self-interest or you know the conversation around what we think we deserve or should have uh comes above um the kind of self-denial of it all so um yeah if anyone has any if y'all wrestled with that and have any insights i am all about hearing this. <laughs> you know, Haley, I'll just say that this is one of those passages that if you lift it up outside of the totality of the gospel, it gets so twisted and it asks things of us. You know, even the part about anyone who's going to come after me, it is a coming after. You know, the totality of the gospel is that God is doing all things in Christ. And God is not asking us to do it again, <laughs> right? Like the, the, so I, I think that one of the challenges of this text is when we talk about it apart from the totality of the gospel story, which is what we do. We are always trying to go with reducible minimums and let's just talk about this. I mean, that's the lectionary, right? Like the lectionary is, we're just gonna talk about these particular passages this week. And, and so the, the danger always, I think, is that when we, when we zero in on day 13 
day 13 gets seen not in the context of three years. It gets seen in the context of day 13. And that's all we know. We don't know what the kind of conversations Jesus and Peter had beforehand um, that led up to what we have. And, and we don't know the, the way that that resolved because it had to resolve. Like they didn't spend the next two years just like, can't believe he told me get behind me Satan. I'm gonna hold that grudge till he goes to the cross. Like, you know, like we know that that's not what happened. But and so I think that that's, that's one of the challenge, that's one of the ch uh, big church challenges, particularly texts like this. You gotta, you gotta keep it in the context of the full gospel story or we might get taken down some roads that God will work all things out for good, but we didn't have to, we didn't have to. <laughs> Well, we always move from these challenges into those gospel implications, and we can think about them so many ways, but um, sometimes I just think they are where you can't deny you've encountered God in the text. Um, so Riley, I want you to start us off with your gospel implication. One moment. Um, yeah, so I definitely have been relating like the way I'm going to walk away with this with the way that I've been um, starting and uh, moving through my Linton experience. Um, something that the past year has really shown me is that I am incredibly good at setting up a ton of barriers and saying I need to be very alone right now and I do not need any help and just leave me alone. So part of what I'm doing in Linton is one, contrary to what it should be, but social media has been the crux of my like anti-social uh, ability in that I can just get lost in the explore page. And we were talking earlier about TikTok. I can just scroll for hours and hours and be okay with that. But ultimately it's like eating away at me. Um, and during all that time that I'm distancing myself um, spiritually and physically, um, I have all these thoughts of Peter. I'm like, here's what's going on and I don't like it. And you know what? I'm not saying it. So for this uh, Lenten time and how I am moving forward with this text, um, I'm gonna talk back to Jesus and uh, have a little fire. Thanks, Riley. That uh, fits really well with a lot of what we're trying to talk about as a community over Lent, which is really recovering that practice of complaining to God as a form of worship. Um, and sometimes God shows up and says, you're wrong. And sometimes God shows up and just in the midst of the suffering. So um, I'm excited to hear how that is fruitful for you this season. Thank you. Um, Derek, what was your gospel implication? Yeah, my gospel implication really goes back to one of the things I liked about the text, the, the fact that Peter um, has this ability, uh, this opportunity to be really honest with Jesus, but it leads to this learning moment, growing moment. And, and I think that one of the things that come with the gospel in our lives is both the confidence to say what we see and to speak what we feel, but 
that confidence being paired with the humility to be said, no, you're wrong. And to not feel like being wrong is the end of the story. And I know where this text ends, like if somebody doesn't <laughs> speak up about the son of man, then the son of man is going to be ashamed of them. You know, it's like, again, totality of the gospel. That's not the impression we get. We don't get the impression that Jesus is sitting around here holding grudges. The impression we actually get is that Jesus is very interested in preparing us to be all that God has created us to be. And we know from Peter's story that Peter is going to have to be able to speak in multiple spaces to multiple groups, both speaking truth to power and mercy to the marginalized. He has got to be able to do all of that, to hold all of those tensions and to recognize that even the, the, the faith he was raised with is not completely on point. And it's gonna, if he lives there, he's gonna miss some of what God's doing. But you only get that kind of correction when you come open and honest and really sort of bearing your truth in front of big T truth, Jesus, and letting Jesus do the sifting. And so I think that the gospel implication for me is like, come on and bring all of what you have, all of what you're seeing, all of who you are, and be ready for it to be challenged. Because every challenge coming from Jesus is actually because there is a hope in a future for you. Um, and so that for me, I, I see that all over this text. And I even wonder if the reason why Mark is writing some of this, some of these tough things um, of the story is to be provocative, to, to say, you should, that should make me like, what a bit, like, what? Yeah, bring that so that we can keep walking together and walking together in truth instead of me just talking and you're just like, oh yeah, that's really cool. That's really cool. That's, yeah, that's cool. I don't really understand, but that's cool. No, let's, let's actually do some real. So it's that confidence paired with humility that is for me, the gospel implication coming out of this text. I really appreciate that, Derek. And I think it also, when you talk about this being lifted out of context, I mean, <clears throat> if this was a, one time you you can mess up kind of thing, then we wouldn't have the story of Jesus reconciling with Peter around breakfast, because I don't know what else you could say about what Peter did in denying that he knew Jesus, except of being ashamed of everything going on. Um, and so there is so much more to that. And I love that humility piece. Um, <clears throat> I'm going to take more of like a, like a, I call it a 30,000 foot view of what's happening here. Um, and this is one of the gifts of reading the lectionary that you're seeing things that are happening kind of in context and over time. Um, but because we're in liturgical seasons, they don't always go like neatly in order. So a couple weeks ago when we were talking about transfiguration, we got this passage where Jesus fully reveals himself to his disciples um, and I just noticed as we were reading this passage that Jesus is asking them to, asking his disciples to follow them, follow him to the death um, before they fully have this sense of who he is. Like he's telling Peter, take up your cross before he really 
uh, embraces and sees that divinity of, um, of Jesus. And I think that where I hear good news in this is it's a good reminder for us that who Jesus is, the revealing of, of God uh, in Jesus and the invitation into relationship, um, it's, it's not something that we have to see. Um, it's not something that we have to encounter in these like huge transfiguration moments. I mean, this is an invitation in which God reveals God's self again and again in small ways. And in the way that we experience God in the world, um, I just think that there are some times in my life where I've gone through those seasons of doubt or, you know, just the rubber meeting the road that sometimes I try to convince myself, like, did I really encounter God or am I just like making something out of something else, you know, adding meaning where there's not really meaning. Um, and that the fact that the spirit's the one that kind of reveals those things that welcomes us into those things that, um, calls us into that discipleship. Uh, I think we get to see that in this text that we don't have to have some sort of amazing mountaintop experience that we get to see God just because God wants us to see God. So um, that's my gospel implication. Michael, what's so, yours? Yeah, so the gospel implication I have here um, that I'm seeing is similar to Derek's in that, um, you know, Jesus tells the disciples and the crowd, if you want to follow me, you have to take up your cross and say no to yourself. Um, and then goes on to like, if you want to lose, uh, if you lose your life, they'll, they'll, you'll get your life. And why would you gain the whole world and lose your soul? To me, it, it comes back to, um, are you a soul with a body or a body with a soul? Um, and Jesus here is telling us like, you know, hey, this, this is important. The whole world around us is important, but it's not the same. It's not the reason why we're here. It's like, uh, I might be the human one. I'm the son of man. Um, but that just means that I have um, an eternal life that I'm trying to understand and grow deeper in, that I'm trying to become more like God, this eternal, always has been, always will be kind of thing, the Logos here on earth. Um, and so you too, as, as my children, as my followers, you too must shed this temporal understanding of the world around us and instead grow deeper into the more meaningful life. And so to me, in that context, when I see that um, uh, uh, if you're ashamed of me and my words in this unfaithful and sinful generation, the human one will be ashamed of that person when they come in the Father's glory with the holy angels. To me, what I see there is that uh, if you're ashamed of this teaching that this temporal life, this here, this here and now is something that we need to give up in order to come into our true selves, our true life, well, then you're going to miss out on this good life, this, this life that God is offering to you. Um, and so shame, maybe not the best word, not the word that I would choose, but instead um, um, understanding that you've, you've missed it. There's, there's work to be done now to understand that um, these human thoughts are things that we need to let go of in order to have instead the thoughts of God um, and to grow in 
our understanding and our union with God. So I know that was probably as clear as mud, but that to me, like this, this is more of a whole gospel kind of passage, all kind of compressed down into one that uh, eternal God is trying to have a relationship with us. And so it's our job to let go of what we think is most important to understand what is actually most important. Well, thank you, Michael. Thanks, Riley and Derek. I really have enjoyed this conversation. Um, this is such a rich passage, and I know that there are lots of other um, likes, challenges, gospel implications that we can pull from this text. So I hope that as others have been uh listening along to this conversation that you know your head's been going well what about this or what about that because there's just so much uh richness and we need all of those uh opinions connections so that we can fully um immerse ourselves in this text and, and the world and um allow it to keep challenging and growing us um i'm gonna ask michael to close us in a word of prayer before we go all right, let's pray together. Almighty God, in your mercy and your grace, you came to us and dwelt among us uh, as your son, Jesus. God, we pray that as we go from this place, you would remind us to take up our cross every day, to let go of the things that we think are most important and remind us of what is most vital, that we would know you and know ourselves as your children, your adopted sons and daughters, your children, your family. God, we pray that we would live that way so that we might become more like your son, Jesus the Christ. Amen. Amen. Well, thank you, everyone. Blessings to you as you go. And until our next episode, bye, friends. Bye, y'all. Thank you for listening to this episode of Deep Gospel. Deep Gospel is a weekly conversation and ministry of Campus to City Wesley, a multi-site campus ministry serving college-age young adults in Northeast Florida. To find out more about worship gatherings and other ways to connect to our community, check out campustocity.org. You can also support us by becoming a Patreon supporter. Until next time, blessings.